Every relationship ends up somewhere, but few end up somewhere on purpose. We're going to be talking about relationships for the next six weeks, something that probably is uh, as relevant as anything that in your life. This morning, I want to just talk to you about uh, this whole thing of what Jesus has to say in the big picture of relationships. We're going to be talking about the relationship principles of Jesus, because if we want to know who the expert is, we go to the person who is the expert, and that is Jesus Christ. He had a lot to say about relationships. But this morning, before we start, though, I want to ask you, I'll do a couple of survey questions. I always like to get you, know, get you guys actually participating, so you'll be focused for a moment. How many of you would say, how many of you would say that you have at least one relationship in your life somewhere that is not what it should be? At least one. Okay. This series is for you. Okay. Uh, I did a survey a while back. Another question in the survey I want to do this morning is this, is that, you know, in our, uh, I, I believe that almost every family, really, I believe every family has at, one, at least one dysfunctional person in it. How many of you would say that you have a dysfunctional person in your family? Okay, hold your hands up. Keep your hands up, okay? Now, those of you who have your hands up, look around. The people that don't have their hands up are probably the dysfunctional person <laughs> in that family. So it kind of proves my point. So interesting verse in scripture in, in, in an Old Testament says, where there is uh, no vision, the people perish. And it applies to everything in life, especially in regard to relationships, because where we have no vision, God's vision of relationships, our relationships suffer. And they suffer in all kinds of ways. Matter of fact, Jesus said, and when someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew? And he said it in Mark as well. He says, Jesus answered in Mark 12, the most important command is this. Listen, people of Israel, the Lord our God is the holy, only God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commands more important than these. Now, is that clear? I mean, you can't be more clear than that. Jesus said, this is the most important thing. And if you notice what it is, loving God, loving people, relationships are the most important thing. Nothing is more important, according to God's word, than relationships. Nothing is more important than relationships. And this morning, I want to start off by talking about that. How, if that bit is the case, the case is, is that God says, Jesus Christ says, that nothing is more important than the relationships, then what does that mean for us? How then do we make loving people, building healthy relationships, the highest priority in our lives when there's so much else to do in life? How do we do that? Because every relationship ends up somewhere, but few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. And so what, how do we build purposeful relationships. Now we're going to talk about this this morning. I want to talk about four things, four questions that we need to ask ourselves that scripture talks about, that, that Jesus talks about, and, and, and throughout scripture it talks about four questions. If that being the case, we believe that scripture is true and that Jesus says that the most important thing is relationships. We need to work on our relationships. Four per, uh, questions that will help us to develop relationships on purpose. The first question is this. We need to ask ourselves this question. In my life, what relationship needs to be initiated? What relationship needs to be initiated? 
If relationships are the most important thing there is in life, we cannot live life alone. We need people in our life. This American rugged individualism that we grow up with, especially guys, it's, it's just not true. We, we are not made to live alone, to live in a, in a bubble without other people. God says that we need, he made us for other, for, to be in relationship with other people. For instance, in the Old Testament, it says in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. I want to challenge you in this area. All of us need people in our life that we are accountable to. We need people who will be there for us, who encourage us, support us. We need to build healthy relationships. But let me tell you, if you sit around and go out and sit in this, came in this room during the week and say, oh God, give me a, you know, somebody that, that it's, you know, that'll, that's the start of it. But we must initiate. I've had an accountability partner, somebody in my life, at least one person in my life for the past 20 plus years. The reason that I have an accountability partner, somebody in my life, is because I initiated it. In Virginia, about 20 years ago, I went and talked to a guy in my church. I saw a guy that I felt like was really godly and was really living a life that I wanted to emulate as well. And I felt like I could be a friend with. And I went and talked to the guy. His name was Carl for some strange reason. And, and uh, his name was Carl. And so we began to have this. Uh, we said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to meet every week. And when we meet every week, our purpose, this, the purpose of this uh, relationship is for us to sit and to ask ourselves, ask each other hard questions. Questions like, you know, how's it going with your wife? How's it going? I mean, how is your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with people uh, in the neighborhood and in the world? How's your relationship with God? Are you spending time in God's word? Are you, are you build, building into your life spiritual disciplines that will help you? And we made a commitment to each other. We initiated this commitment to each other that we would do this on a regular basis. And we said if we don't meet for some reason and, it, and you, know, you don't hear each other for a couple of weeks, you, know what? you have the right to call me and harass me. Did the same thing with working out. I'm going to tell you, I hate working out. Anybody here love working out? Okay, if you are, you're sick. I'm sorry. And my wife's the same way. She loves it. She gets this adrenaline rush. And, you know, I'm, and I, get a, I, get a, I get tired thinking about it. <laughs> but I know I need to. So years ago, for, to enable me to stay on track with working out and trying to stay fit somewhat, I had a couple other guys in the church who, who were like, uh, uh, at that time, we were all much younger. And we decided that we we're going to, you know, become, we initiated this process of being accountable to each other in that area of life as well. And we... You know, we'd meet 6 o'clock in the morning, three days a week at a fitness center and work out before we went to work. And <sighs> I hated it. But, you know, I still did it because I knew it was important in life. But this whole thing, we need to, to initiate uh, a relationships in our life that will help us to grow in life. One-on-one uh, -on -one relationships with people who are friends. One-on-one -on -one relationships with people who can be accountability partners. I really believe that all of us need somebody in our life that we're accountable to. Person of the same sex, by the way, guys and girls. Okay? No cross, you know, no guys, girls, accountability partners. Bad, you know, unless it's your wife or husband. And that still doesn't work too well either. So, uh, but the issue is, is we need that kind of deal there. Another thing is we need people in our life to uh, be part of a team. You know that Jesus... If anybody in the world that ever lived on this earth that really didn't need anybody else because they had all the resources, it would be Jesus, right? 
I mean, he was God. But it says in Scripture that Jesus chose to have relationships with other people. It says in Luke 6, 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him, all this big crowd, and he chose 12. He chose 12 people. Jesus decided that it was important to live in relationship with others. He believed in teamwork. Yesterday, um, uh, we had a meeting here at church. Uh, it was 12 people. I, don't, I just thought about that. It was some miraculous number. No. But uh, the deal was is that we had some people on our leadership team, on our staff, all our people on our staff, our leadership team, and also uh, on, our, um, on our admin council, which deals with finances. And we've been in the process of just doing this vision casting about what's the next step for Great Oaks. You know, I could have sit down. I could have done the Sinai approach to vision casting. You know what the Sinai approach is? Leaders love it. I think it's unbiblical, but leaders love it because the thing is, is that Sinai approach, remember Moses went up Mount Sinai, got the tablets, came down, told everybody what God wanted them to do. You know, I could have done that. I know some leaders that do that. They try to go up on Mount Sinai, you know, they come back from the retreat. They have this vision from God and they tell everybody exactly what God and them and that person wants everybody else to do. I don't believe in that approach. I believe the scripture teaches a team approach to ministry, a team approach to vision, that God has called other people who are leaders who can sit, get together. So we spent five hours yesterday. This wasn't our first meeting, by the way. We spent five hours yesterday spending time together talking about and bouncing ideas off about what is the next step, dreaming about. We'd already prayed about this, and we continue to pray about this, and we continue to look at God's word about this. But all together, we spent this time together. Now, let me tell you, that's cumbersome. It takes time. But I believe that the Bible t- tells us that we need to have these relationships and we need to initiate relationships in our life. We need to have people in our life. That's why, folks, we talk about small groups all the time. It's not like, okay, we're going to have a star in heaven because we belong to a small group. No, it's because you and I need people in our lives. I've been also been a part of a small group or led a small group for the past 25 years. I've had people that connect, and, and, and they, it's not just sit and study the Scripture together. That's the beginning point. That's not the ending point, though. It's where we encourage one another. We pray for one another. We, we help one another. I mean, over the years, the people that have been there the most for me have been the people in my small group because we spent time building, initiating relationships. What relationships do you need to initiate in your life? I would challenge you that as you pray... That you need to ask God, God, what is it in my life? Where is there there a relational gap in my life? And what relationship do I need to initiate? Whether it be an accountability partner, a friend, somebody that will help me in some area of life. I've initiated many times people. I've looked at people and I've realized there's a gap. Years ago when I was having uh, some issues and learning about finances, I looked at somebody that I thought that handled their finances well. And I went to them and said, would you help me? I initiated that. So whatever area of your life it's in, you need to initiate some relationships because there's nothing, according to Jesus, more important than relationships. That's the first question we need to ask ourselves. The second question is this, what relationship needs to be nurtured? What relationship needs to be nurtured? You know, what happens between the time when we say with a buddy, oh, you're my best buddy, the time we're not talking to each other? What, what happens in there? Or what happens between the time when people come to my office for premarital counseling and they look at each other and they sit there and they don't pay attention to me at all. You know why? They're looking oh, you're so wonderful. Not me, the other person, you know. 
And they're just like totally enraptured with each other. They can't keep their eyes, their hands, or anything else off of each other. And the thing is, is they have this deep love, you know. What happens between that time and then years down the road when they come to my office and say, we hate each other. We want a divorce. Is there anything you do for us? (laughs) That's why I love counseling so much. People usually come when it's too late. But the issue is what relationship needs to be nurtured. My wife and I have been married a little over 30 years now. And Vicki and I have learned something, and that is that our marriage is as good as we want it to be. Our marriage is as good as we, not as me, as we want it to be. It takes both of us making a commitment to work on our marriage to make it as good as it can possibly be. And so we nurture our relationship. We do things together. We make sure we have date nights. After 30 years, we still date. I know that's bizarre. But it's part of the nurturing process. The Bible talks about this in Galatians 5. It kind of goes back to one of the, the, the great commandments. But it says this also. It says, serve one another. It says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you, this is interesting. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. You know, this, when marriage becomes, a relationship becomes, <laughs> you better watch out or you will destroy each other. Marriage relationships, friendship relationships, other relationships need to be nurtured. Every relationship ends up somewhere. Few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. You need to start working on your relationships, nurturing those. Somebody asked, well, how do you nurture a relationship? Let me explain, ask you something. When you first started, say, dating your spouse or beginning a friendship, how did you do it, do it back then? Just do it again. That's all it is to it. Just redo it. That's why I believe dating is something you do all your life in marriage. You know, doing the things that encourage one another, build each other. I mean, you did it back then. Why not do it now? That encourages and nurtures a relationship. Is that, it's not that hard. You just got to take the effort. Once again, if relationships, if, if relationships are more important than anything in the world, according to what Jesus says, this is not according to Bill, this is Jesus then we need to take the time to nurture our relationships. That's the first two questions. What relationship needs to be initiated? What relationship needs to be nurtured? The third question, though, is this question. What relationship needs to be restored? What relationship needs to be restored? You know, maybe you have a broken relationship with a parent. Maybe you have a broken relationship with one of your kids. For those of us who are, have older kids, you know, that's a potential. It can be a potential even when they're younger, even t- in, in the teen years. Uh, how, how many, maybe you have a, a broken relationship with a friend, someone that wronged you in some way. Maybe you or me were the one who did the wronging. But how do we, how do we, deal with? How do we begin to deal with broken relationships? And how do we begin the process of restoring relationships? Well, Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the beginning point. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We talked about this a while back, about the whole issue of forgiveness. That forgiveness is not based upon the fact that someone else deserves forgiveness, but that we choose to forgive. Now, the other person has to respond, and if they want to get the benefits of forgiveness and, and, and and be reconciled, then that is up to the other person responding. But you forgive as the other person. To restore a relationship, it's not whether they deserve it or not. The issue is, are you going to make the choice as God makes the choice to forgive us? It says, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, he chose to forgive us, to give us forgiveness. And it says, we're to use the same principle in regard to other people. We begin the process of trying to say, hey, I'm going to be the first one to initiate this process of restoration. You know, in a real world, you don't want to go there, do you? Because there's pain. And there's fear and all kind of things. But I can tell you from personal experience that the pain of broken relationships, and you know this to be true, the pain of broken relationships is greater than the potential risk of the pain of confrontation. Because the pain of broken relationships keeps on going and going and going and going and going. It can last for years, decades. So God tells us in a real sense, he said, if relationships are really that important, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is what relationship or relationships in our life need to be restored? Romans 12 says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It says that, you know, it says that we're to try to live with peace as everyone. As far as it depends on you, you do your part. You make the effort. You initiate it. Going back to the very first thing, you initiate the restoration process. Because we want our relationships to end up somewhere on purpose in our lives. Now, <clears throat> the last question is this question. And I was hesitant to ask this question because this question could be taken out of context and twisted and, and, and made to, to be something that people... <sighs> I, just, I just see people twist this all the time. But this is, this is a question we need to ask ourselves. And I'll explain why we need to ask ourselves this question. What relationship needs to be severed? You know, some people will say, you know, uh, you know, I need to sever that marriage relationship because we're just not compatible. I mean, he rolls the toilet paper top, I do it bottom. She won't squeeze the toothpaste right, leaves the socks everywhere. I mean, you go through this whole, this whole shopping list of reasons why we should just break up. You know, it's, they're irritating. I've heard that before. And I'm going, get over it, dude. I have no compassion. I'm sorry. I do not have the gift of compassion. I, I really don't. I, I do in some ways, but some ways I don't. But the issue is, the issue is, is that that, that is unbiblical as far as a, as a reason for divorce. I'm going to tell you that. God says that we're to try to make relationships work. But there is some relationships. What I'm talking about is severing a relationship that is outside of the will of God. It says this in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You've heard this before. Uh, you are who you run with. When I was a youth minister, I used to have these uh, teenage girls come to me in my office to, for counseling. And I always had some safeguards there, too, because I always had another person with me when I did that. Uh, so they couldn't say anything. I mean, that's a weird world we live in. I'm sorry. But I always did that. But the issue was is that they'd come to my office and they'd say, Oh, you know, I just love this guy so much. What do you think? 
And sometimes I knew the guy, and if I knew the guy, and I knew he was just not somebody you want to hang around with, I'd say to him this, and I'd always say to him this question, okay, if you want to know what kind of guy he is, look at who he hangs out with. Who are his friends? Are they the kind of people that would lift you up or tear you down? That's a great rule of thumb. He's hanging out with turkeys. He's a turkey. You know, I mean, you know, that's the deal we have to understand. We, we, we don't want to be around people that pull us down. Matter of fact, I mean, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, there, if you want to read a chapter that deals with this whole issue of hanging out with the wrong people, there's one verse, but read the whole chapter. But it says this in chapter 5. It says, you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a person, do not even eat a burrito at Taco Bell. Well, it's not exactly what it says, but it's close, okay? Basically, it's what it says. It says don't hang out with people like that if they're going to pull you down. Now, let me, let me give you some examples of that. If you have a business partner that lacks integrity and they're pulling you down, you have to either redefine the relationship saying no more or sever the relationship, If you have a person that puts you in tempting situations, situations that would do things that you know are not something you should be doing, you either redefine the relationship or you sever the relationship. Women. This is a problem. I'll I'll tell you this one. If you were hanging out with other ladies who constantly are putting down men, especially their husbands, you need to either redefine the relationship or sever the relationship because it is not going to encourage your marriage. Men, same deal. If you're hanging out with a bunch of guys that all they're ever making is bad women jokes, you know, and they're putting down people and they're talking about their wives, you need to either redefine and say no more of that or sever that relationship. We do not need to have relationships with people that will take us in the direction that God does not want us to go. We can control, we can direct, redirect the relationship, but don't do hang around with people like that. Now, it says this uh, it's as, as well. Now, if you're married and you're flirting with danger, you need to, and you know what I'm talking about, you need to either, you just need to sever that relationship. I'll tell you that. You don't even have to redefine it, just sever it. In our lives, in our lives, we need to make sure that we're building relationships on purpose because every relationship ends up somewhere. But few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. Thought the little brother Andrew realized that nothing in the world 
separating love with these two brothers now. He came to his big brother and he apologized. His brothers today are inseparable again. After Gene and Dorothy split, Gene married a younger woman. His second marriage didn't work out. Dorothy's still alone today. Not every relationship has a happy ending, does it? When Daniel was 12, Keith, his daddy, lost the job that he idolized. All of a sudden, daddy had to ask himself, what's really most important in life. Today, this father and son are back in the relationship that God intended them to have. So if a picture is worth a thousand words, what will be the words that tell the story of your life? Every relationship ends up somewhere. But few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. I believe that when we look at God's word, it always leads us to do something. Because in James it says, do not be simply hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. It, it, we are to apply it in our lives. I want to give you something very practical to think about and do this week. As you think about the whole application of if relationships are the most important thing in life, what are some things we need to do? In your bulletin, there's a little thing that says my relational action plan. You can pull that out right now and, and look at that. If you didn't pick one up, you can pick up a bulletin on the way out and, and grab a hold of that. And in this, it gives you four options that this week I would encourage you to do at least one of them. Because if relationships really are the most important, and I believe they are, according to God's word, the most important thing, we need to spend time working on our relationships. So it says this, the first one is I will initiate this relationship with, and you put in a name, by a certain day. Give yourself a deadline. And tell somebody that you're already accountable to, your spouse or somebody else, tell them, hey, I've made this this, uh, I need this relationship. I need somebody who's going to be an accountability partner, somebody who's going to be a, a friend, somebody who, we're, we're going to join a small group, whatever. And there's others. I will commit to nurture my relationship with a name and by doing, and then you write down by doing certain specific things in your life that will help you to do that. Fill in the specifics. I will commit to attempt to restore my relationship with a name again. And by writing down some specific tasks, some specific uh, plan that you will do as well. And then finally, I will commit to lovingly redefine or sever my relationship with and in the name of a person until God shows me otherwise. Prayerfully pick one or two of these and begin to actually apply them to your life. Because there is nothing more important than relationships. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.